Hello and welcome to Holsh Fidelity Episode 9. Tonight we will be featuring Ballpark Music, an indie collective hailing from sunny Brisbane. Formed in the musical cauldron of 2008, this quintet is led by the enigmatic Sam Cromack. Their debut opus, Happiness and Surrounding Suburbs, unfurled in 2011, catapulting them into the realm of indie rock royalty. With albums like Pudding Head, Every Night the Same Dream and Good Mood, Ballpark Music continues their musical pilgrimage. Ballpark Music is truly proving themselves as one of Australia's biggest bands of the last 10 years with an incredible catalogue of songs that have soundtracked so many lives. And I'm really pumped to have for the third time in nine episodes, Tick, mate, how you doing? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Hello, Tony. How are you? I'm so nervous. Oh, mate. I'm nervous to be on, and um, I'm not as good as Chippy. <laughs> Just before the episode, I mentioned to Tick that all the new guests are always shitting themselves because Tick and Chippy do such a good job. So. He's just had a little bit of a little bit of a shot at those that crew. <laughs> so, mate, um, ballpark music. Now we know in excess and and Led Zepp, they're mm. your, your two musical kindred boys. spirits. Your boys, exactly. Now, now we're we're jumping into you know bands that you obviously love, but not to mm. that same extent. Would you say? I think it's hard to like they, they are just two of my fanatical bands and it's nice to have got them off the bat straight away where now we're kind of coming into something first of all it's nice to be in something a bit more modern than my last two (laughs) I finally got a band that I've listened to from their start and they're still going which is to date a little unusual for me this might also be the first band that hasn't been influenced (laughs) by the pixies too I wouldn't rule that out at all. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> I think I've got a note here about that, actually. <laughs> really? Really? Possibly, possibly. Yeah. No, it, just, continue. it rings a bell. But, but then why do I love ballpark music? It's They're just this kind of poppy band that kind of came about at the right time for me. 2008, I'm probably right in my prime of not just listening to Triple J, but also going to live events. I'm seeing a lot of these bands around that point in time they just kind of come on the scene and interestingly enough it was around about when I got married or or had kids that I stopped obviously going to gigs and doing those kind of things but ballpark music kind of start like they've been going longer during that phase where I'm not really going to see things Mm. than the phase before it where I was right into everything so they're just kind of coming in as I was coming out but it's a band that I really attach myself to and Speaking, going back to Led Zeppelin in excess, I was out on the patio with my wife listening to a bit of ballpark music on the weekend. I was having a few drinks as well and I said to her, I'm like, I think maybe ballpark music is my favourite band of all time. Wow. Their albums from start to finish, every single one of them, I don't think there's a bad song in there or a song that I would go, eh, I'll skip over that. So what what do you base that on? Would that be that you're probably drawn to listening to them more often than, say, In Excess and Zep? Yeah, probably, and probably because it's a bit more modern as well. Like, as much as I love that kind of old music, there's something about staying relevant and listening to something a bit more contemporary every now and then is, yeah, mm-hmm. refreshing or or otherwise. But it's a band that, you know, a lot of my friends have a, like a lot of my friends have a love for as well. So, you know, Zeppelin or In Excess, I'm kind of very much on my own in that realm because not everyone's into mm. that music whereas i've got a broad range of friends who like this music because we all kind of grew up with it which is 
something nice. Mm. Very similar to Chippy, where last week he announced that Beach House was his, well, favourite artist that's still kicking around, but potentially his favourite artist of all time as well. So, you know, there's another modern take. And the other the other thing that probably comes into play when you're comparing against those bands is you get to see these guys live and multiple times, yeah, whereas, you know, yes, yep. you saw In Excess without... Michael yeah, version of it, <laughs> which yeah. you know is not the yeah. same. Whereas this time, you some say he he was one of the more important parts. <laughs> of <the> <laughs> There's a few different aspects there that add to mm. the ballpark music side of things. Now, as far as evolution with these guys, because they started pretty strong, and mm. they're still going strong. And like you said, I, and I totally agree. I think every album has so much merit, not much filler. And mm. you can comfortably listen to them from start to end and happily enjoy, you know, most tracks. But is there anything distinctive that you've noticed with the way that, you know, back in 2011, say, for their first full-length album compared to their latest one last year? Weird and weird. Well, well the, the sound has obviously evolved as, as bands should. I think they've gone back to what they wanted to be now. So when they've started out, you're writing those real kind of poppy hooks. You know, it's they are still littered throughout their discography, but there's a few little variants in there. Every Night the Same Dream was an album that really kind of stood out, you know, in their catalogue. There's something a little bit off kilter. And I think Sam had mentioned that that's, that's kind of what they'd always wanted to do. They'd finally got there of not having that album pressure to kind of write singles and, and get a heap of money and they kind of got to a point where they could just go, let's do what we want as our artists. And I think that sound, as we move on to Weirder and Weirder, it's kind of then a bit more prevalent in those later albums. There's still those poppy hooks, but they're also very, there's an undertone of something a bit more psych or something in there as well. So, yeah, it's an interesting evolution from start to finish and like you said each album is still quite unique it feels like the later albums are starting to bring in a lot more different influences as well a bit more psychedelia and and the like and more layered compared to say yep. their first album so their production level you know they're, they're bringing in some more instrumentation and using everything that's at their hands that may not have been there when they they kicked off that first album in brisbane can I ask you a question, Tony? Because sure. this is kind of peeling back to the start, but your experience with ballpark music as we started this was almost none. Is that fair to say? I have seen them mm. live a number of times and I did listen to their first album, Happiness and Surrounding uh, Suburbs. Happiness and Surrounding Suburbs. Yeah, yeah, so I've listened to that one quite a bit, but then it does tail away. Obviously, mm. on the next two albums after that, I have heard the Triple J plays, but I'd really sure. never listened to the albums. And and after that, pretty much blind. So yeah, yeah it, it was. So, it, so then, then, then I like once I heard this that you were kind of not, you know, not completely. You know, I'm not suggesting that you knew nothing about, them, <laughs> but you know, you would likely admit that they weren't one of your bands you'd listen to a lot. So I was really excited coming into this hearing that because I knew there was a lot in there that you would like, so it was kind of very exciting to, to you know, textures you're kind of moving through the albums and saying, fuck, I really like these guys, hey. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I can confidently say already after these last three weeks or so, giving them a real try, that they're going to become a commodity that I will be relying on to listen to because 
they do bring a lot of energy and they're very easy yeah. to pick up and run with. And mm-hmm. I've just I've found that they have so many tracks that really resonate with me that I didn't realise now they're almost a band I would comfortably play any album. Whereas before that, well, I would... you're going to be like me and say that they are now your favourite band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not quite there yet. That but... would have been something. That would have been something. Yeah, but no, look, I, I can see they're going to be on my you say high that rotation. To all your guests. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look, it's it's really this has probably been my most fun of the nine episodes compiling for this one because I have found so many genuine gems that I know I'm going to turn to time and time again now. And I only said to my wife beforehand, I just, I just love playing this top five that I've created. And, and even I've still, all, all my other playlists, I've just kept the five. But with this one, I've kept my shortlist in there so that I get yeah. those ones on my play as well while I've, I've been doing it. So, yeah, mate, I'm really glad you introduced me, well, to the point oh, that great to hear. dived a little bit further into them so mm. how many albums do they have in their catalogue uh seven i think it's seven see I that's guess. that's a lot in a short you mm. know in what yeah t- 2011 to 2022 seven albums yeah. in 11 years what would you regard as your number one if you were ranking Ooh, albums that is, that is tricky i think i would have to go geez that's hard i'm gonna go with <laughs> <laughs> happiness and surrounding suburbs i think that you know, coming into a top five, same thing I did with Kick Within Excess, I would be happy with five songs off that album. I'd, I'd happily put my hand up and go, I love every one of these and I'm comfortable with them in my top five. So I would go with Happiness and Surrounding Suburbs. But like I said, their sound has, has changed so much since then, but it's that thing of, you know, that's your introduction to them and you really kind of go hard at that. And then, yeah, it's that wonderful thing of, you know, in the past when I'm buying albums off eBay to kind of wait to listen to them, I'm just waiting for release day and getting it day one. You know, I'm hearing it fresh with the rest of the world kind of thing. That's that's where I'm kind of getting that love, I suppose, into something mm. more modern. Yeah. Okay. Now, influences, yeah. as we mentioned yeah. earlier, as they progress through their career, there is a lot more different sounds coming along. But what were their main influences as, you know, when they first started out? Um, well, I think Radiohead was probably one of their biggest. You know, the obvious ones in the Beatles, but Powderfinger, I think, obviously Brisbane band and Powderfinger, and it's they're probably the modern day Powderfinger, really, aren't they? They're from Brisbane and they're they're mm. doing all right for themselves. Not as big as Powderfinger, mind you. Neutral Milk Hotel and Red Hot Chili Peppers were actually influences for them. Yeah, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can hear Beatles in so many of their songs. Yeah, uh, I, I think I even make in one of my songs I make a reference that it reminds me of a certain Beatles song. But okay, well, as per tradition, the mm-hmm. guests can list some honourable mentions if they wish to. So I assume oh, okay, you will have yes. one or two, maybe. Yes, I do. I do. So my first honourable mention: Happy, healthy citizens of the developed world, which is the closer to happiness and surrounding suburbs. Destroy you. Do you want it? Do you want it? You 
kind of have to listen to literally Baby comes full circle. I think it's just a really cool way to end an album and I like the way it starts as well. So, you know, like I said, we've spoken about this before. We're big album starters, guys. I'm a bit of an album ender guy as well. The next one on my list was Feelings from Every Night the Same Dream. This is an album opener. It just goes from the start. It's just fantastic and really, like I said, sets the tone for the rest of the album. One song that kind of went in and out of my five a fair bit was The End Times, which is the first song once again on Good Mood. There's some really nice melodies in there when the, during the one point in time, the refrain of that. Take a ticket from the plastic machine and queue right here if you want to get in on the end times. The end times. All hope is ripped right out of the ground and mixed with corn syrup in the... Yeah, that's probably the three that, that I'd kind of recommend not necessarily all of them were going to be in the top five like uh, happy healthy citizens no but it's just a good listen i think but um the other two yeah they were quite close very very good okay so tonight which is a little bit different than in our past episodes where we've understood and and joined the podcast knowing the order of our five Mm -hmm. so this time we sort of shared a bit of a short list each just so we Got our heads around. We what, couldn't what, hold it back. We couldn't hold yeah. it back. That was the problem. We'll yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. <laughs> well, I think that's part of the excitement when you when you pull in a project or together, like you, you want to share it. That's part of music, and it's, yeah. I think it's really natural with music to want to share your finds or share parts of a song that really grab you and and the like, or yeah. a live version. You know, YouTube has mm. been a a goldmine for me. I, before I started this podcast, I did not use YouTube at all for anything. It was yep. always just Spotify. But now it's opened my eyes up to, well, my ears in particular, to live versions and, and back to film clips, which, you know, I never really cared about mm. since the 90s. So, and and it, it does. It helps you get some context with some of these songs. So I will kick off. Number five. You're saying it's my turn to start, number five. Mm-hmm. Well, how yep. about that? All I want is you. Happiness and Surrounding Suburbs 2011. Okay, this song is one of the band's earliest recorded songs. I think it's the first song they ever played. Well, that's pretty early. Yep. And yeah, it is, you're right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty straightforward love song. I love it so much. It's, it's the one that caught me initially when ballpark music mm. came on, on the scene every time i've seen them live it's been one of the highlights one i yep. always wait to come on for and and soon as that that first little guitar that little plucky sort of acoustic mm. riff it's a wonderful little strum yeah oh, when it comes on like it just instantly makes me like warm and fuzzy
it has that all it starts with the drums and then it has that and but one thing that is going to be a repeating theme with with my love of these songs is is sam's vocals i just think yep. they're incredible and sam's vocals in this feel really earnest yeah they do this is this is a word that i wouldn't normally use to describe vocals tick but he sounds mm-hmm. wonderful. I don't know. This this song, All I Want Is You, it, it has this wonderful feeling to it. Around the two-minute mark, it comes in with a guitar solo and a drum frenzy, and then they cut the guitars for Sam's voice mm. and hand claps to take oh, yeah. center stage. And it's it's oh, yeah. bloody <laughs> special. Moment, and, you know, that goes for a little while, and then it kicks in again with that. Then one, two, three, four, yeah. And in yeah. it goes again. It's... Ah, it's manic at that point, isn't it? It's it's kind of like the love is just so intense. It's, it's almost like he's wanted her all day, he's got home, and that's the kind of bit at the end that's the frenzy. Yeah, it's just... Right? Is that a jerk and that sounds good? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that because, yeah, the way I see the song, it's it's about this guy that slaves his ass off every day but mm. not appreciated in the slightest by his workplace. But yep. he, in the background, this is just how I see it, in the background he knows this isn't the life for him. But he does it because he has yeah. to. Mm. He can take solace because he knows at the end of the day he's got this wonderful woman that he loves and when the time's right, he can piss this shit life off during the, 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 the day <laughs> yeah. and he's going to be okay. He's going to be happy. Because he's got the woman he loves. That's right. And, you know, it's as simple as that. It's I think with a lot of Paul Park music songs, you know, they he can sound really upbeat, but at the same time, the lyrics can be actually quite mundane, and you can relate I've got, to I've it. I've got the exact. I've got a note here that says the same thing. It's very poppy. It's very melancholy undertones. Of yeah, what's being said? Yeah, it's a it's a very pessimistic view of the world. You know, with a broad stroke. It, yeah, but anyway, that's my well, number five. Just, yeah. Okay. Well, I I wanted to jump in early and say that was my number five as well. <laughs> Well, wow. the thing that, 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 I, that I wanted to say about it was, it, you know, the how about that 
and the white, you know, there's a bit of a counting. There's a few words in there. Very Paul Kelly esque, you know what I mean? Like particularly oh. the way he says, "How about that?" Mm. It just it's it's Paul Kelly 101 to me. Look, I, I think I think the same as you. It is just a really really nice song, and and you feel the feeling, and I, and I think that's what. You know, that's what a good songwriter does. That's what a good, good musicians can do is they can make you feel something, whether it's empathy for the character in the song or or otherwise, you know what I mean? It's just a, yeah, it's just a cool song. It's fun. It's poppy. It's great. It's five. All right. Well, that means my number four. Number four. 2014. Put, puddin' Head. I like to say Puddin'. Ooh. Wooden, yeah. head. This song is called Cocaine Lion. All right. Okay, now I came up with my five and, and I locked this one in and then today I was like, oh, I better just check this. You know, if this was a single or anything. It doesn't seem to have any love from a commercial standpoint. So this may be an underrated track. I'm not, I'm not sure. Okay. To me, it feels like a great track to hear live. I'm not sure if, if it is one of their live staples or not. The beginning guitar of it feels just just the very first sort of twenty seconds. It it sounds it's like, like it's, an electric. It's an electric acoustic guitar or something. Yeah, but it sounds it you sounds know, it's, like it's, it's, it's from a, the '90s grunge scene. Just the little yeah. riff, almost Nirvana-ish. And then, mm. and then, obviously, Sam's vocals come in, and I just I love the harmonies on this song. It fluctuates between melancholy, and then it has this swirling, warbling sort of tone to it. You probably need your headphones on to hear this part of it mm. really, really well. But it like it does. It, it swirls and swirls. My favorite thing with this song is is how Sam changes his voice throughout it. quote here from Sam and he said while we were working on the record I plugged my hard drive in and we went through all my demos and sat there and listened to them all as a group and not to sound cocky but that one had always been a favorite of some of my close friends 
It's about moving through space, finding a beautiful girl, and yeah, it is a pun on a cocaine line. <laughs> but definitely no crazy rock and roll revelations <laughs> about my lifestyle. Because, you know, obviously when you read the title, Cocaine Lion, surely there's some I connotation. I didn't realise that until just now. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because if you, I'm sure you do follow Ballpark Music's social media, they're, yeah, an, yeah. they're an excellent social media. Oh, God, yeah, but, absolutely. Like, they are exciting. Some, you know, they take the piss out of themselves more often than mm-hmm. not. I think they're a band that is much loved by their, their fan base yeah. because they're very expressive and common and, man-ish. Yeah. And you, I always notice like they'll, they'll answer people in like other Facebook comments. Yeah, like yeah, it'll yeah. be another band altogether and someone will. You should tag him in the yeah, post on this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, but <laughs> you're four, mate. My number four. Um, all right. So, my number four was one that it was a jump in, jump out kind of situation with the top five as they usually are. Mm. And this came to me really late in the in the program. I had been on a YouTube rabbit hole, like I sat out on the patio with my wife the other the other night, and the number of live tracks that come up with this song on it, and the song itself I just love it in the studio version. And that song is Hands Off My Body. Belter. It's it, it is just grown on me to such a magnificent, and I've always liked it, but it's been one of those ones. I mentioned this in the last two pods that I love listening to music in the car. I can't really listen to this one in the car. It's got a bit, you know, I don't necessarily mind the swearing, but there's a bit too much vulgarity in the, you know, chopping off the pussy, chopping off the dick stuff. It's just a bit too vulgar for the kids to hear that one. But yeah, it's like a real punky kind of a fast-paced song. It came about from I think Sam's wife put it to him that if she was in a punk band, she would sing a song about chopping off all the body parts that you didn't like. Oh wow! And I think the story goes that they were in the studio and there was a blackout, um, so they started to just basically strum on an acoustic guitar this song and then spent the afternoon listing all the body parts that they would chop off. <laughs> Um, and then rec- when the power came back on, they recorded it and it was pretty much one take, not the whole song, but the basis of the song was the take that they did that afternoon. I didn't like my ears, so I chopped him up. I didn't like my nose, so I chopped it up. I didn't like my hair, so I chopped it up. I never liked my body, so I chopped it up. Come on. Right. I didn't like my head, so I chopped it up. I didn't like my legs, so I chopped him up. One finger at a time, I chopped him up. I didn't like my tummy, so I chopped it up. Hands off my body. Hands off my body. It's no secret, 
you're a big British India fan as well, and and they have mm. a track called Black and White Radio, which yes. kind of it's it's almost like their punk track of their catalog yeah, that they like always a, play it's just live. A live staple, yeah, yeah. And when I heard this one, and then like you said, it, it even when I looked up YouTube ballpark music by itself, that song seemed to be on there more than any other song. Yeah. So this is their most popular song. <laughs> It was never no, a single, was it? Uh, I don't think it was a single. No. no, it was just an album track. But it just works so well oh, live, it's and it's just punchy. I love the bit when you know, as he goes, spoiler alert, when he goes through all the bits of his body he's chopped off. He says, "I never loved my tongue. I never did. All it ever did was say anxious shit. I never loved my tongue. I never loved my tongue. I never loved my tongue." So I, and then it's chopped off at that point, and then from then on, there's no more lyrics. It's just screaming. I think it's just a really interesting kind of idea of going through all the things you don't like, getting to your tongue, chopping it off, and then that's the end of the lyrics for the song. Insane. That is very unique. I like it. Number three. Okay, so my top three are all the typical classic Hulsh song structure. Ah, I knew there was going to be some of these in here. (laughs) (laughs) They're all... Those songs that build and then they have that final experience in the the closing parts of the song that blows my mind. And to be fair, any of these three songs could have got number one because even at 5.30 this afternoon, my number three skipped back up to number one. Because I've been listening, I just I love all three of them for different reasons. And but they all have that common theme where the it is a slower start, and then it becomes more powerful at the end. So my number three from 2011, so this is my second track off Happiness and Surrounding Suburbs. The song oh, yeah. title is Alligator. Yeah, wow. You know you know when you, when you kind of messaged your shortlist and I saw that on there, it's not that I was surprised. I was kind of like, oh, wow, because, you know, <laughs> you kind of were asking me were any of these singles or whatever. And so I saw that. I'm like, wow, he's a long way from singles at this point. <laughs> oh, really? But um, but I was yeah excited once I saw that you had that in the shortlist. So I'm equally excited that it's in your number three. It was two until five thirty this afternoon, and there was a little <laughs> shuffle around. But yeah, still number there's three. There's a new song. There's a new song to join the, <laughs> join the race. I got to stop going on about it, but once again, Sam's mm. vocals just draw me right into this track. You know, it's it's what ties it all together. Now, this isn't a track that so much builds via tempo, like a lot of songs that, you know, they speed up mm. a little bit and, and use it in that regard, but more so in density. It it becomes more layered. The, the instruments they use become more fuller and give this real dynamic. But the use of percussion and, and bass lifts around the chorus each time and it turns the chorus itself into this really inspired listen. Here we are 
After the second chorus, around 2 minutes 35, it kicks into this short crescendo. This crescendo sort of mm. lifts, lifts, but only for like, I don't know, it might be like 15, 20 seconds, and then it pulls back again straight away. But that is when the real magic begins because the momentum builds again with drums and chants, and then it just goes off its tits with this crashing sound and sort of almost almost sounds like a celebration of sorts. From yep. there in the entire back half of the track, just for me, it continues to feel like a stadium filler. With you and your friends and that guy there. for me in absolutely any form in my speakers at home in the car on the headphones yeah. it's one of those tracks I can play anywhere and it really is satisfying so that's why Alligator is my number three yeah I think the the drumming in this song is really really cool it's kind of like a mm. it almost sounds like a bongo kind you know it's I can't explain it but it's a do, 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 do. it yeah. reminds me a lot of is it Release and Restraint by Gang of Youths oh. drumming in that is very similar you know, it's got a, a similar kind of vibe. Cause the soul will not cater to our reason nor the passing of the seasons in our way. 
think it's a great a great pick for a number three. Something very off kilter, I think, in the in the in the mainstream lines. Yeah, and that surprises me because when I heard, I went, "Oh, I bet you any money this was a single." <laughs> I just it yeah. grabbed it grabbed me straight away. Yeah, you know, obviously I'd heard it back in the day when I played the Elm Three, but when I was listening, mm. it instantly it was in my five from the start. It's amazing what does grab you when you start listening with a more critical ear. You know what I mean? Like the songs that I've got in my top five, some of them weren't there when we started this project or weren't even really on my radar, but they've just risen to the top from listening a bit, thinking mm. about what, why you're listening. You know, it's not taking the fun away from listening either, but it's just you're thinking a bit more about what you're hearing. All right. You're number three, I'm, big I'm guy. Up for, I'm up for number three. All right, my number three is off Pudding Head. And the song is Struggle Street. This was one of the ones that wasn't in there early. And then the more I listened to it, the more I just absolutely fell deep, deeply in love with this song. It's the kind of the synth. It sounds a bit like a Steppenwolf song or something like that. I was going to say, I thought it sounded like a 70s psychedelic sort of rock song. Yeah, it's like an organ or something, you know, that real. I think you nailed it with Steppenwolf. Tucked in, I can see your belly It's Tuesday night and you're watching telly This whole damn life is a prison and you're in it alone A prison and you're in it alone Magic Carpet Ride, they have another song. Yeah, or the band uh, yeah, that or the band like, that uh, sings White Rabbit. I forget what they're called. Jefferson Airplane. Jeff, yeah, Jefferson Airplane. Like that sort of era yeah. and, and type. Yeah. Yeah, it's got that real it, it's kind of a similar song. There's a bit of a build up and then a real slowdown with the vocals in there at points as well. It's got some of your favorite tropes in there, some hand claps, but I think this song really opened my ears to really listening to Jen's harmonies. You know, oh, yeah. that, that kind of backing vocal is is so important to almost all of their songs. It's, you know, they're very melodic in the background as well. And her voice is, it's utilised perfectly. I, I think I know you said she should sing more, but it just <laughs> works so well on so many of their yeah. tracks. And often, when, often it's really, really subtle. Often it's really mm. subtle on a lot of tracks, but if you took it out, it would feel all the more empty. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah it really fills up the, the soundscape. <laughs>
passive-aggressive You can scroll on down The abyss is massive This whole damn life is a prison And you're in it alone A prison and you're in it alone This was a... Uh... Yeah, just a song that I just couldn't get enough of, and I still can't. And I walk around singing it, and the, the kids have started <laughs> singing it as well. So, speaking of the kids, I, saying, you, yeah. I think you mentioned Emily loves ballpark music. Your daughter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, I'll I'll give her. I've got her top five. I'll give that at the end. Okay, yeah, that'd be a, a nice little bonus, and I might even put it in the yeah. in the description so everyone can <laughs> listen to Emily's. I, I I really think that's that's where their best work is is outside of the. Yeah, the, the the singly kind of pop hook worlds. It's it, it gets kind of the real them in a way, and you know the singles are great. Don't get me wrong, but just those they've got so many hidden gems in yeah. the album tracks, which is yeah. great. Well, they need the singles to you know sell their albums, make them money, mm. get the the people to the gigs. But the stuff that they're really passionate about, that's for the people that do dive a bit deeper and appreciate it. They they get mm. rewarded. So nah, I think that's awesome. It's a great track. I love it. Number two. Now, we're going all the way back now to 2022, one year ago. Okay. <laughs> weirder and weirder. Now, this song was number one at 5.30 or 5.29 mm. today. And I'm just going to say before I state the title, it would still be my number one except for one really shit negative to it. It's way too short. Okay. It's way too short. <laughs> it goes, I think it goes for like three minutes 40, but it kind of actually yeah. wraps up around the three-minute mark and then there's this yeah. long, calm tail out at the end of it. Mm. And it just feels like it should go into another wave. It's, it's, I have to play it like four times in a row so that I, I feel like I've got the, the song's worth. Your money's worth, yeah. Yeah, but it is so – I think it's an incredible song and it's called Writing Hand. So wow. the guitar work at the beginning of this reminds me a lot of Radiohead. Radiohead in particular, not the electronic, experimental Radiohead. So Sam first switches to this calm vocal and then at about a minute 48, he goes into like this soothing, soaring build in his voice. There's no l lyrics to it. It's just He's just lifting it with his voice. And then at 2 minutes 30, it sounds like he's shouting like a crazy man from like across a room. Mm -hmm. they, they change the dynamics of the vocal, so it sounds like he's sort of distant. but Very he's fuzzy. He, yeah, and he, he's filling the room, and it, it's very powerful. But 
On top of that, it then enters the the strings, the flute synth, the guitar pagios, and it it sort of turns into this big celebratory, almost like detonation. And yeah, I, I just think the vocals here are the best on that new LP, Weird and Weirder. And that's a big call because his voice changes and is used in so many ways mm. on some of those tracks. But also the guitar work on this is is excellent. And I don't know, I just, once, I think I've mentioned this in another episode, but when violins start coming in through the background, it just mm. makes the song sound so full and, and grand, I guess. sent you something earlier today and I said this might make sense when we do the episode oh. and it was a uh, it was an article about a man who had dementia and he'd drawn his self-portrait every single year as he progressed through his dementia and this song reminds me of that you know at the start they're very lucid it, the song is talking about you know right it just seems like an artist kind of a song and then towards the end it's that just descent into absolute madness that's how i see this song is a yeah an artist who's losing their mind yeah i did i read that and i was like what the is he talking about here and but yeah it's <laughs> pretty sense i don't know <laughs> yeah well it's pretty creepy the how he's you know obviously his first go at a self portrait is is very spot on and succinct mm. and by the end of it it's you can't even tell it's a human so yeah 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 but yeah no that that makes complete sense with this song but yeah, that's my number two. Could have been number one. Maybe if they bring out a like a twelve inch extended mix, then it, that version <laughs> will shoot into number one. <laughs> or I really didn't know what you were going to say then, but that's yeah, that's that's a really interesting number two. I reckon my number two. I have gone with a song from Every Night the Same Dream. Now you asked about my favorite album before, and I said Happiness and Surrounding Suburbs. This would probably be one of the ones that's right up there for me as well. The song I've picked from this is Peppy. 
this song has a lot of the hallmarks of the things that I like. The start has some little studio sounds, which I I love in today's world as well. It's not overproduced. You can still tell that they're musicians playing their music. to it the lyrics are kind of literally he's talking about the idea behind growing a bit more you know less social as you get older when you've got the opportunities to but you kind of just go no nah, i don't really want to do it you got pepped up you got tired uh, it's that thing going now nah, i want to go somewhere now nah, i don't really want to do that and then you know kind of an idea about wasting your life but as it kind of gets towards the end there's this like there's this really cool riff that just kind of repeats over and over again, but it never feels stale. It's just, it's about a minute or two of this just outro music. There's a, there's a really cool like 70s style jam in the middle of the song as well. It's just a, yeah, I just think it's fantastic. And I've always, as soon as I heard it, I just jumped on it straight away and went, I love this song. again to the catalogue mm. tell me if i'm wrong but is there a bit of psychedelic mm. guitar work through this one as well yeah this whole album is a real kind of psych rock psych pop kind of a feel i, I think i read something today yeah that's basically where they wanted to go on that album i think i said earlier this is the album where they did kind of what they wanted and i think peppy was a similar thing in that regard where he was kind of a bit frustrated about not necessarily like not necessarily their musical direction but just that pressure of being this mm. more poppy band wanting to kind of free themselves to do some of the things they do which i guess a lot would happen in the music industry where 
you know, if you sign to a label, whatever, they want you to go one way and you're going, well, I want my artistic integrity intact and this is what I actually want to do, but you've got to have a balance there mm-hmm. as well. But I don't think it's nothing like they were unhappy with the labels or anything like yeah. that. Well, there's an Just interview a- that I read earlier today where the interviewer asked them, you know, what are your goals moving forward? Mm. And they said, well, we don't really want to put any goals on paper anymore. We want to care less and enjoy what we do because the fact that we care less means we get to express ourselves exactly how we want and don't worry about the outside noise. So that's why, obviously, in these later albums, we're, we're seeing some of these new directions for certain tracks. You know, Peppy and Struggle Street are perfect examples mm. of that for your number two and three. So you're really picking the real ballpark music. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm that arrogant. <laughs> <I think that. laughs> this is it? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I am excited. Number one. So obviously I said with two and three and and this one, they all start and then build into something really special at Mm. the end. I don't think the end of any song could be more special than this one. And this this would be one of the greats. I I know I haven't been accustomed to this song for a great deal of time, but Mm. I can tell already. It's their song that makes me the most emotional. In fact, the other day I was listening to it on my headphones and... I was just doing some work. The end part came through and I, I had a tear come down my eyes. And it's weird because it, it's, it made me feel happy but sad at the same time. Maybe it's like nostalgia. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure, but it gives me goosebumps nearly every time I hear the, the end of this song. It's mm. from 2020, the album Ballpark Music, and the song is Cherub. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> yes, nice. Now. This was in, this was in my top five for so long. Yeah, and so I, long. I understand this is probably one of their bigger Triple J plays, and yeah. But in 2020, I I didn't really listen to Triple yeah. J anymore. You, so it's okay to like it. You don't have to. No, well, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's a great song. But you know what? <laughs> a lot of songs you'll find when we do these top fives, a lot of the hits won't be in our fives, and it's a real thing that if you've heard a song so much it can lose its mm. edge. And for me, luckily, with Cherub, that's not the case. I haven't had it ear-bashed ear to me through a radio station. Mm. The beginning of this has a guitar that gives me a real Here Comes the Sun vibe. So this is my oh, Beatles God, reference. Just the way it is. Now, I went and listened to Here Comes the Sun and to Ballpark Music's credit, it is very different. Who wrote it first? That's the question. (laughs) Well, (laughs) from what I've read, this is a genuine article and, you know, full credit to them because it's absolutely beautiful. It's got that little bit of a twang to it. It's it's so Mm. cool. I love when it's just not the, the customary chords. Sam's lyrics are really mellow and emotional through the entire song. And the chorus in this one is not really a a hook-laden one, but more so Mm. I would call it like a euphoric one where it sort of just, Mm. it just takes you to another place more than like relying on on catchiness. Everybody knows my name It's all dripping in 
Jen's vocals really shine here. I was just about to say, yeah, <laughs> when after that first verse and when her vocals come into the background, it just changes. It changes the dynamics of the song. As I'm learning a lot lately, outros seem to win my heart the most. Yeah. This is no exception. I don't know. The, the gear shift at three minutes, well, around the four minutes mark, transforms this song into a, a soaring anthem of sorts. The instruments become so powerful as synth sounds start really coming in and, and they build the tension way, way, way up. And then we get the hard-hitting drums and the, and the fuzzy guitars before it goes oh, yeah. to a fade-out. I oh, know this is just when I listen to it, it feels like it's going to be a moment that's going to be used in movies. reminds me and I've asked the kids this question a number of times I'm like can you please try and think which episode this is I think it sounds like the end of an episode of Bluey and I don't know which episode it is but it's just got that it's just such a real kind of it's Mm. an uplifting end isn't it it's like a discovery moment someone you know you think yeah in in Bluey the, the whole idea is to kind of make things you know come full circle and there's teaching moments in there. Yeah. If you can't think of a teaching moment underneath the end of this song, yeah, it's just, it's so beautiful. Yeah. I know that. You're right. It invokes emotions in you. It's it's just really, really nice. Yeah. The last bit I'll state is the video clip is a clip of just butterflies floating around. It's it's so gorgeous, isn't it? And this comes back to that that COVID because – They were all stuck in their their hotels and all the rest of it. And and this was actually just the guitarist, Dean Hansen. So Sam stated, after a little research, we discovered that ideal weather conditions in Queensland had produced an explosive butterfly migration. With fuck all to do, Dean spent his days in the yard with his camera chasing butterflies (laughs) and channeling his inner Attenborough. When he shared his efforts with the band, we were blown away by the simple beauty of what we saw and knew instantly that it should accompany one of our songs. You're number one, mate. This is uh, all right. This is going to be good. 
I've gone for probably their most popular song. It's nice to be alive. Look, uh-huh. I'm wearing the shirt. Wow, yeah. I've got the shirt. I've got this shirt. I've also got a poster that says, don't stress, that's dumb, in the same kind of format as this. Yeah, it's nice to be alive. It's probably the first song of theirs I ever heard. It's such a good song. It's such a interesting message, I suppose. Like the undercurrent of the message is, don't stress, that's dumb. I mean, it's nice to be alive, so that's a nice part of it. The song's about atheism. I think he was reading The God Delusion at the time, and then he wrote this song about, you know, you you think you'll end up in the sky and all these kind of things. So, yeah, it's a song Uh about almost shitting on the idea of religion. Yeah, I think even if you don't take that on board, the song is just really nice, poppy brilliance. one of those songs yeah the little quirky quirkities or whatever i'm gonna call them quirkities <laughs> in there you know the the go stop the <clears throat> clearing the throat like just those little things make a song a bit more interesting for me as well like it makes it seem a little bit more live within a studio mm. version but those are angelic those really nice harmonies from Jen in there as well give it a real kind of a church choir almost feel to mm. it as well. Yeah, it's just a really, really cool song with a great message, I think. to be alive. 
deserving number one. It is tremendous live as well. Between us, then we've we've picked probably their two biggest songs. <laughs> At number Possibly, one, but that's fine. And that, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'm and I'm happy with that. Like that's yeah. the one that's that's for me and for you. That was great. That was seriously so much fun because, like I said, you learning about or d- diving a bit further into a band is, is a really cool idea. But we also promised partway through there that I was going to reveal Emily's top five. So oh, yeah. I asked her this just off the top of her head. She said Surrender. Oh, yeah. Great song. Manny from Weirder and Weirder, great album opener once again. The song Weirder and Weirder from Weirder and Weirder. Yeah. Um, Cherub, so she agrees with you on that one. Yeah, two of us um, are right. And, and Literally Baby. I think Literally Baby is such a cool song. Until the other night, watching the film clip, that is a song about sex. I just thought, ah, oh, this is a nice, cool summer song. It's upbeat. <laughs> Hooray. Oh, and then I watched the film clip, I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> I still like this song a lot. Listening to these new albums as they come out with the kids, like we're kind of learning this music at the same time as well. Yeah. There's something kind of cool with that. And I, and I, and I say to my kids <laughs> just recently, I'm like, you'll remember these kind of moments the way that I did with my dad and in excess. You know, they might be listening to, ballpark music in 20 years time going why do i listen to ballpark music again they're an old (laughs) band (laughs) okay so for your next episode you get Mm. three choices now i get to choose three times or (laughs) sorry you get three choices of which you must select one Oh, okay. Okay. Now, you're one of our regulars that's that's coming on every couple of weeks, so we'll be churning through these. But I've Mm. picked uh, three different eras here. So number one is the one that I I mentioned previously on the episode that I I know is down your alley, and that is British India. Second one, we're we're going earlier than the 60s, Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley. Oh, shit. Yeah. And then third... We're talking 60s right through to present day, Rolling Stones. Oh, okay. British India, Elvis Damn. Presley, or Rolling Stones. Oh, they're all so similar. So it's <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Elvis Presley. Yes. I had a gut feeling you would pick that. Just because it's, yeah. it's just it's just a, like a, a change up yeah, from everything going else. Yeah, back in time. I'm going to be honest. I'm probably not going to listen to every single Elvis <laughs> Presley song, but I promise that I'm going to listen to a lot of Elvis Presley because I'm pretty sure he has spoiler alert a lot of stinkers in there as well. It's been so much fun again. I, I seriously, when you come on, it's just so natural and and just love. I, I look forward yeah. to it all day. So thanks so much I was for coming just on. So again. nervous though. I was so nervous and. Um, <laughs> 
Chippy's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, thank thank you so much for tuning in again for Ballpark Music tonight. Make sure that you subscribe and follow the podcast and also join our Facebook group, Holsch Fidelity, where we keep you updated on everything music, in particular when our episodes drop. Apart from that, I hope you enjoyed the playlist. Thank you very much.